On this episode, my homie Brian stops by and talks about his new book. Chuck, and this is episode 162 of the Ask Gary V show. This is a very special episode because I just got off the plane from my family vacation for my 40th birthday. So this is the first episode in my 40s. I'm also here with a very dear friend. As a matter of fact, Stefan, I'm gonna have you make an edit. There has to be video of your last. I don't. That wasn't your last book. That was two books ago two when books we did. Two books ago so, when we were at South by. There's got, there's video of that yeah. somewhere. Stefan, just show a little cut. This is us in our younger days, Brian. We have none other than Gary Vaynerchuk. How are you, brother? How are you, man? Awesome. So, I got a book. Went out and bought this really amazing thing called the Thank You Economy. You ever heard of it? From what I hear, it's the greatest business book written of all time, so I think you made a very wise $13 decision. <laughs> all right, that was good. I'll get you that clip, Stefan. And uh, Brian, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell the Vayner Nation who you are? It's really good to have you here. I'm glad we made it happen. Well, you know. Uh, and you have a new book. I, I have a Which new is book. really the only reason my friends stop by the Ask Gary <laughs> Show, is to sell their books to the Vayner Nation, which I respect because in March I will be stopping by everybody's house. You will be stopping <laughs> so. by my house. But if, uh, if it means a lot, though, I'm, I'm actually here to officially welcome uh, Gary Vee <laughs> in his 40s uh, so he can join my club. Although I think I look a lot younger. You do, man. You have no grays. <laughs> Just a couple here and there. How old are you, Brian? I am 44. You look good, man. Well, it's the oil of Olay. You know. Do you use that? It's red wine, actually. Is it? Well, shit, then I should look 13. <laughs> didn't work for me. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have to, uh, we continue the trend of a Vayner, I apologize, a VaynerMedia employee, we're just talking about Orlando, so a VaynerMedia employee joining each episode. So why don't you tell the Vayner Nation who you are and say hello, what you Hi, do, guys. and all that. Um, I'm Kelly. I am a community manager here. I started three months ago. I'm from Orlando, Florida. Disney, <laughs> um, and yeah, I love it. I just moved up to New York. It's it's great. It's a different. Yeah, very different. But enjoying. Um, yeah, love it. Thanks for joining us. Of course. Yeah, I'll uh, keep going. Well, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we transition quick here, Brian. Yeah, I'm ready. Clutch in. So uh, I'm a digital analyst. Uh, I I work at a place called Altimeter Group. We study disruptive technology. Uh, its impact on business. I'm also a digital anthropologist studying disruptive technology's impact on us. Uh, have a new book out. And this is gorgeous, man. Incredibly ironic that I'm talking about disruptive technology and I'm going to write a book. So, uh, oh, took, look at this. <laughs> took about three and a half years at Disney. This was three and a half years. Uh, yeah, because I studied UX, uh, UI, and a lot of uh, attention spans, focus, um, sentence structure, and sort of tried to reinvent what a book could be in 2016. And it, if, you, if you notice in the pages, it, it looks a lot like a mobile app. Interesting. And so it's designed after some of the most popular apps, no table of contents, it's all, uh, it's all like very it. interesting. Uh, it's about experiences, so I thought if, if I'm gonna talk about experiences, the book should be an experience. Very cool, good for you, man. How's it going so far, when did it come out? It just came out, uh, it's going, I think it's going good. You know, just it came out be a la when? Like a week ago. Got it, last Tuesday. Yeah, I think last Tuesday. So let's see how this. A week from today. How this episode. A week does. from today. Last um, last Tuesday. I think last Tuesday. Last, you know how Amazon is. So whenever Tuesday. Amazon gets it. Well, all the boom. books do it. 
Stefan, let's link that up in uh, Facebook and YouTube. Uh, Bainer Nation, we've had people come through, so you, you know where my words sit on this. Brian is an early friend of mine from the early, kind of like when I entered the tech space, a quality human being. Um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm, you know, I don't read books, Brian, as you know, which is weird, but I'm positive that uh, you put in good effort. I know that this was definitely, you've written a lot of books. Yes, yeah, seven. So this one seems to be the biggest break in time. Does that, do you feel great about that? Like do you feel like this one you put in more work than the norm kind of? I mean yeah. there's some truth to that. Yeah, no, I, it, it, it was, I felt like I was losing relevance along the way, you know, and trying to find other you know, media to sort of stay in front of people. But I also thought that I wanted to take the time to do it right because if the point of the book is to create experiences that matter to people today and that people are different than Then the, the book form, itself had to do that. It had to do that. Let me get into a rant. Cause I like to rant. My number one favorite thing of all time is everybody who consults and gives advice on using new technologies to sell stuff and then their books don't sell. Like I've, I like, to me, if the Ask Gary Vee book is not a mass, doesn't sell a lot of copies, then like what is my advice? And to, to your point there, right? Like if, you're, if your own like behavior doesn't map the thesis, you're dead. Like and so like, I'm sure that you probably, I noticed you brought in Mechanism, a great agency, like you probably took a lot of thought about that. Oh yeah, man, look, I, I, I stepped away not just as author but also acted as art director, as, as researcher to figure it out because it is my pet peeve to go rant. Uh, so many authors talk about the future and how to be different but they don't, they're not different, right? I mean, we, this is so different, it's the shape of an iPad Air 2. We had to come up with whole new printing processes, the paper, um, you know, if you just look at the color saturation on the paper, mm -hmm. we were jamming printers everywhere. Good, good job by Wiley, is it Wiley? Good job by Wiley willing to allow you to like produce this, right? Yeah, yeah. They had a bet. Well, you know, they gave uh, Mechanism and I a shot and I mean, it's, it's just. What's cool? It's, you swipe right on it, you know? It's oh, just. And, oh, <laughs> somewhat. All right, India. It is time to get into the show. The show. The show. Yeah, well, I'm classy in my 40s. Let's do it. Andrew asks, how do you distinguish between bad marketing strategy that's not working and just having a crappy product? Got it. So Andrew's been watching enough to know that I talk a lot about like even the best marketing in the world isn't going to fix your crap product. So he's asking, how do we decipher? Mm -hmm. Right? you want to take a shot at that or you want me to go? You go and all cool. um, You know, to me, it's pretty easy. There's only those two things at some level and so I think what you do first is if you're unsure, you change your entire marketing uh, approach. And I would say you do that twice. So over a 12 to 24 month period, you change your marketing approach radically. If you go 0 for 3, there's chances that your marketing sucked all three times but it is starting to give you an indication that nobody wants your pet rock or your <laughs> iPhone case that glows in the dark or your crappy wine that you made. So the other thing to do is to look at your lifetime value and repeat business. One of the reasons uh, I know that Wine Library works is we have incredible lifetime value and a lot of repeat business. So then the waves of that business are usually predicated on the marketing because once we get people in, they stay. Um, and so I think we can feel that as people that write books. That you'll look at your numbers this week and you, you'll, you probably will look at like historically since you've written seven, what, what's your most successful book? 
Uh, end of business as usual and engage were I think the most successful. Got it. So like to me, like it's funny, I think Thank You Economy is the best book I wrote but it's the least successful and I look back at like yeah, I gave it the less oomph, it, by far the least oomph because I was deep in the starting of running VaynerMedia. Um, so I, I think you look at lifetime value and repeat business and what your product is because if people are coming in and they're using it and buying and what have you, well then you just need to figure out how to get more of them in. If you're getting a ton of people in but you're not getting any long tail action, uh, that's your vulnerability. Yeah, and I think we live in a time of social media, right? And the key part of that is social. So I think some of the best marketing starts before the marketing, right? And so listening, talking, being inspired by people through all of these technologies that humanize people again and humanize communities. I think you can actually take that insight and build better products and, and build not just products but products that are experiences so that you can invest in relationships and lifetime value and retention as well as acquisition. Love it. Let's move it. India. Elton says, hey Gary, what do you think about the crying emoji being the Oxford word of the year? Communication shift? I'm thrilled. I'm so fired up about this. You can't even imagine. I, I think it's an important uh, signal. I've been talking about communication shifting. I use emojis with 50, 60 year olds in the crowd saying how many have used emoji. I just did a talk in Orlando, ironically two days before I went. I had to fly back and forth for the Thursday night game. I told you I was right about that Bills Jets. Stefan, I'm on fire with my predictions. Uh, anyway, a uh, little quick shout out for all you Houston Texan fans. I'll be in the stadium on Sunday as well, flying in and out for that game. Going to every game this year, I think I've decided. Uh, I'm pumped. I think it's a great significant step. It's a, it's, a, it's a headline that a lot of people are gonna come across over the next 48 hours and it continues the, uh, the thing that I care about the most which is eliminating romance and just dealing with the reality. The world's changing pictures are clearly becoming a way we communicate emojis. Obviously a lot of it happened in Asia where the keypads and transitioned over here. Listen, we used to draw on caves. Like inside caves, we drew on them. Did they get mad when the words came along? Like I'm sure there's like grandpa caveman who's like this is bullshit. Like we should always draw on caves. These words are bad. We get used to our norms. You know, in a hundred years from now, when we're only doing emoji-like things and words are are less used, I mean, do you know how much better my life is that I actually misspell things on purpose and let autocorrect fix them? I don't have romance over spelling it properly. I just want to get my words to somebody. Oh man, we, you know, we live in a time when a magazine is an <laughs> iPad that doesn't work. So, in a word <laughs> to the folks at Oxford, I will give you this response. Love it, love it. Joel asks, Gary, what does the future look like for the auto industry? Will local car dealers be cut out of the business model? It's a great question. Look, I think direct to consumer over a a 50 year period is very real. And so anybody who's, including what I do for a living, like selling wine and liquor, like I do believe that the internet is the middleman, period. And I think a lot of industries just haven't been affected by it yet. the hotel industry has been affected by it, Airbnb. The, the car, you know, the, the black car industry has been affected by it. The bookstore industry has been affected by it. Systematically over the next half century, most of the things that sell to customers will be affected by it. And I think auto is in play. I mean look, Tesla is selling direct. I mean so I think that um, yes I do think. Now I think way too many people think about things and they think they're going to happen tomorrow. I've learned that. That's what I've learned. Now that I'm 40 and wise, where I was 20, I would have, if my 20 year old self was sitting here, since Brian looks 20, according to Brian, I would say, Brian, I'll say, Gary, 20 year old Gary, not everything's gonna happen as fast as you think. 
And that's the thing I've learned, that it takes time. But do I think over a 50 year period? Absolutely. If you're asking as a 48 year old who owns a car dealership, I don't think you need to sell it tomorrow. But if you're asking as a 12 year old who wants to take over grandpappy's dealership, you may want to consider going in a different direction than just trying to triple down on the model, right? I love car dealerships. <laughs> said no one Period. That hurts. Uh, look, I just actually came off some research with Google about this and we studied the moments of truth of how the, the highly digital customer shops for cars. And I think there's an opportunity for deal- dealerships to be relevant in today's society. It's not based on yesterday's model. Sorry to show my new kicks. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, but if you study it, it, look up auto shopping micro moments and you will start to see exactly where you could add relevance and value to, to the, the value chain. But if you do not, Tesla-like models are gonna take over. Uh, and it's just inevitable. People need to get what they want when they want it, how they want it. And things have been flow, right? Like, like we used to have the downtown market, like the Main Street America. Then we went to the suburbs and we had you know, supermarkets and Costco's. And now more than ever, people are moving back into the cities, the Detroit's of the world. And now you have Main Street merging again. So ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. And so technology overlaying that is gonna cause a lot of disruption over the next 50 years. And I do think the direct-to-consumer model is very real. It's just economically sound for the people that take the biggest risk, who are the people that actually make this crap. I think that just reminded me of Clueless, where the Rolling with my homies. Rolling with the homies. God, I love that movie. All right, from Joseph. Joseph asks, Gary, how do you analyze all the social media data that you get every day, personally and corporately? What's the corporately part? Like, how does VaynerMedia do it versus me? I do it completely on what got me here in the first place. And Brian, you know, this might be interesting, Brian. It'd be interesting, this is probably to make me feel good, but you can go anywhere you want with it. You have an interesting perspective because you were actually there when my thing happened. Mm -hmm. There's not that many people that were. So, you know, I did it back then on feel. I was right about a lot of things intuitively and that's what I do now. I mean, I just read it. I read my feeds, I read my comments, I I look at the engagement levels on what I'm putting out. So I'm, I'm an analyst on my own stuff. Vayner as a corporate entity is doing it much more Excel sheet than gut feel than I am. They're analyzing numbers deeper. They're converting that into a report for their clients. I'm sure you guys do similar stuff, but me personally, I'm just reading it. Like I'm watching how fast I get likes on Instagram when it's convenient, not every post. You know, if I'm on a plane and I do it right before I take off and as soon as I get the Wi-Fi, I can look at it. Like there's, there's kind of serendipity to the way I analyze, but I'm feeling it. I was very intuitive in the way I marched in 06, 7, 8, and 9. A lot of things those things worked out. I continue to do that. I continue, look, I'm doing it even with this show. If you're noticing, Brian is now the culmination of a period here where we brought in a lot of guests by comparison. So I'm always testing and learning, looking at the comments, trying to understand, trying to vibe with it. Right? Uh, you know, the one thing I will say about you as, as your friend is that you've always cared, right? So at a time where we, we've come up with a lot of people over the years that just really tried to buy into the hype or create the hype and really tried to grow their fan bases and, and all of that activity without actually adding value to the community, you're still hustling probably harder than ever before, maybe more than you did early yep. on. Um, you take that feedback, I watch this, you take that feedback and you actually do something with it. You do shows like this where you can add value to people's lives, at people's streams, with everything that you do. So I think your metric system is just sort of a validation of the fact that you're listening to people and trying to give back to the community. That's evident and you should be rewarded with that. Appreciate it. That's nice. You like that, India? Yeah. 
And, and, and by the way, and by the way, I have been asked by 900 people to sit in this seat and do this, and we've been at six and like or five, and one of them was my father-in-law. So it's not, you know, I, I think it speaks to your way as well. And then there's all the behind-the-scenes stuff that you and I know, which is there's the business stuff, and you can be very business-oriented. This is a good lesson for you, a lot of the youngsters. There's the black-and-white business stuff, like, yo, homie, support my book. Sure, I could do that. But then there's just life, right? Like when somebody's sick, when you post something on your Facebook that you're having a tough time, or the all the people that we share in common that we've never sat in the same room with that how they talk about us to each other when we get brought up in a setting, right? It's all those other things that are part of the equation as well. You know, I think um, if it's one thing I've learned along, uh, along this journey is, is to uh, constantly give more than you take and, and, and treat, treat people um, in ways that make them feel more special when they leave an engagement with you. And, and then the last is just live and act and breathe as, as if you want people to talk about you when you're not in the room in a way that's complimentary. 100%. Legacy and brand. Meet S. Hi Gary, it seems like everyone speaks about not giving up no matter what. But how do you know when it's time to let it go? So, I'm going, you know, uh, this is something I struggle with. Like, having a loss on your resume is so scary in the business ventures that I've had in the past where I wasn't actively running in. I've talked about Quarked or Forest. Lindsay and Kyle, amazing entrepreneurs that I don't feel that I supported enough and thus those two obsessed TV with Samantha Addis where I tried to produce a video show that didn't start me. I never was able to give it enough energy and the thing that I spent the most time with is when do I let it go? Because there's a point where you realize, I, by the way, I realize this with employees. They're, they're, I, don't, you know, I know a lot of intermediate employees watch this but I'm gonna tell the truth. There's five to six employees that I think it might be time to not work together anymore. And do I struggle with that? Boy, do I struggle with that. One, mainly because I don't like letting other people down um, more than anything. Uh, The truth is, meet. Uh, I think it's a very personal answer. I think it depends on every individual. But what I will say is, way too many people watching this right now are holding on to hope or a non-reality or don't want to make somebody feel bad or don't want to have the reputation of having a loss on their record. and I think it's a huge mistake. Um, and it's probably the mistake that I'm most vulnerable to. And as I think about my next 40 years of executing, and you're right, I am hustling more than ever and I'm feeling more fit and energized and feel like I'm gonna really go into my golden year, especially the next 20 years, that's just the truth. Though I'm sure when I'm 60, I'm like, this is when I'm really gonna do it. Um, I do think that that led, this is a tremendous question. I'm so goddamn pumped that this happened on my 40th bir- post 40th birthday episode, first one. This is the one thing that I'm spending a lot of time on. I think it's hard, but it is, um, I think more people have to let go more often. Um, and the two things I'm working on are both ends of that. Saying no more often, because boy, that's hard for me, and then letting go more often and really zoning in on that middle. Um, is my answer to that. So punchline is very personal, but because I want to bring value to everybody listening, what's up podcasters, and watching, uh, I really think that a lot of you need to take this question, use it as a moment, use it as permission, let me be your olive branch, link to this part of the show as the excuse or the flame that let you do it. There's a lot of people that need to let go. And uh, if I could add one thing to that, uh, it would be, you know, with, this book is probably the first time where I felt like I was going to fail in a, in a while. Interesting. Uh, because you went, because you had to do the work. It wasn't like what naturally was in you. Right. It was yeah. natural. What was naturally in me was just write another book, you know. And and I thought that I would be letting everyone down by doing that. And 
in three and a half years in the making, right, there were, I mean, even up until six weeks before it was done, I, I thought it was not going to happen. And Meaning what? Like, just so many things were going wrong, you know, in terms of production and, and, and printing processes and finding the right shapes and paper, I mean, everything about it. Um, also, relearning how to write sentences. I mean, like, I just, <laughs> I, I was beaten. Uh, and there was a saying that I, uh, a friend of mine, Ledeo Ressi, had, had told me that in entrepreneurship, it's always darkest before the dawn. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought that you know maybe maybe that is it. Maybe maybe this was just a test to go a little bit further and see it through. Um, but at the same time, it, it was the right thing to do. But at the same time, there are moments when you have to walk away, and just try to learn from them because that's all anybody wants from you is to show that you tried and that you learned from something and you did it better or did it differently the next time. Appreciate it, my friend. As the guest of today's show, you get to ask the Vayner Nation, I've been back to the question of the day, you get to ask them any question. This is a great opportunity. I know you like focus groups and data. There'll be a lot of answers on YouTube and Facebook and I'll send you the link so you can go through them. Here's your shot. You want to make the theme of that, your thing, whatever you want to go with. Talk about New York Jets. You know what's really important to me as I I think about just even my own work is, you know, if you could maybe close your eyes and think about, you know, when's the last time you had a really great experience with with something, whether it was a brand or a service or or just anything. Uh, And and what was it? Do you have one, India? What made it so special? Do you have one? Do you have like something that really? That was mine. What was? No, no. Do you have a, 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 I'm sorry, a great experience, the last great, like, do you have something that's like just so obvious? It is a hard one. Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to put you, look, it's interesting, it all depends on what you decide. The, The Four Seasons is where I stayed with my family. There was a problem and that was the opportunity for the great experience. I mean, I've secretly thought that you should do things wrong on purpose because I think there's more upside in the fixing a mistake than just the normal status quo. Like if you're just crushing it as a restaurant, nobody hears like, oh this restaurant because they consist, let's say there's a restaurant you go to that consistently hits it on a 9.5 on the scale of the world. 9.5, you know how insane that is? Like it is on point. No, after the third or fourth time you just take it for granted. Like if you went there the first time and like the waiter spilt red wine over your beautiful dress, India would be cool because she wears black and so you wouldn't be able to see it. But, but like if you, you know, you got some point today. Uh, you know, if that happened and then they comped the whole meal and like picked you up and carried you to your car or gave you, it's so funny to me that mistake first, fixing the mistake is a greater experience for a lot of people. I would add on as a point B, a great experience that uh, wasn't predicated on a problem at first. Love having you on, brother. Buy the book. He deserves it. He's a good man. Thanks for coming on. You keep asking questions, we'll keep answering them.